Welcome to Housing Developments. I'm Jerry Howard. And I'm Jim Tobin. Hello, Jerry. James, how are you, my man? I'm doing fine. Another another gloomy day after a gloomy weekend, uh, but uh, but hopefully spring is right around the corner and uh, we'll start drying out a little bit. Seems like all it does is rain for 48 or 72 hours around here. Yeah, I know. And uh, spring, when uh, young man's thoughts turn to <laughs> high school football, football. Uh, my son's practicing hard. I guess they're going to have... Uh, a shortened season uh, for some of these kids to get noticed, hopefully by college recruiters. You know, for all of these high school students, they've given up and college students have given up so much of such important parts of their lives. I really hope that uh, we can get through this. Yeah, agreed. I'm uh, I'm I'm hopeful that by by June uh, that, uh, that 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 many of our our listeners, if not all of our listeners, are going to have a have the vaccine or at least have the opportunity to have it, and that uh, we can we can get back to some more normal lives around here. So uh, I'm with you. I share your optimism. And it, it is funny to hear about football in the spring. I know spring football's kind of a, a fun time when you're starting to feel out the new team and, uh, and and keep in shape. Yeah, but let me let me say this, you know, all of this underscores the value that NHB brought to its members uh, just about a year ago at this time yeah. when the lockdown first started and we were able um, to get residential construction put on the list that the federal government sent to the states. And um, I think that has made a world of difference to our members uh, and a world of difference to our economy. And that's something that's really, really good. And and I hope that our listeners uh, pass that on to others in the industry out there as a reason for being part of this great federation, signing up for NHB and getting active. Yeah, that's absolutely right, Jerry. I mean, uh, it's we're coming up on, heck, what March thirteenth? I think was our last our last official day uh, in the office, so to speak. Uh, so it's a, a weird milestone, a couple of weeks ahead of us here. And um, yeah, the, the fact the fact that this this industry has kept this economy afloat uh, during this very dark period and, and continues to thrive uh, despite some of these uh, the headwinds that our, our good friend Rob Dietz talks about. Uh, with lumber prices, now we're hearing issues with steel prices uh, and uh, and just general supply chain issues. Uh, the fact that we are still uh, going hard uh, is, uh, is is really a testament to the the fortitude of our industry, but also the importance of it and uh, and our our members' ability to keep working, working with their state and local governments, us working with the federal government to make sure that we're able to able to do that in a safe manner. And I think that's been probably the most important thing that we've done is prove that our job sites and our employees uh, can can continue to do their job of, of building American shelter uh, safely and and in and, and, and healthy manners. Yeah, you know, I had a conversation with Rob this morning. It's interesting. You mentioned steel shortages, steel, concrete, uh, different uh, appliances that are supposed to be going into housing. There is a sh- the shortages are developing all along the supply chain and all along the various different components that go into not only construction, but manufacturing. And Rob and I were talking about this. I mean, we have to be concerned now about inflation. Inflation, not only in house prices, but in a general sense, is not the traditional response uh, to an inflationary time. No, the answer now is that we get back to a normal course of doing business throughout every sector of the economy to make sure that capital is being spread evenly throughout. uh, And that'll help us keep inflation down. 
Yeah, that, that's uh, that's right. You know, President uh, Biden uh, issued an executive order last week about looking at the supply chain. Uh, unfortunately, the, the only issue that seemed to get any press coverage uh, were semiconductors and 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 trucks that are coming off, rolling off assembly lines. Uh, but buried in that executive order is a broader review uh, of of many of all the supply chains. More, more, most importantly, uh, the Agriculture Department is going to be looking at uh, at, at agricultural commodities, and that's where lumber lumber fits in. So we're going to be petitioning uh, the Secretary of Agriculture to, uh, to to make sure that he is studying uh, the supply, the lumber supply chain in America, uh, to, to find out why it's 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 it, the prices have, have spiked here, uh, but also the underlying causes to make sure this doesn't happen again. Remember, this is the second time in just three years where we've seen these these abnormal. Uh, abnormally high prices in lumber, and, and, and the government needs to take a really hard look at it uh, and investigate what the hell's going on here. Well, actually, I'm going to be having a conversation at uh, uh, a little while later this afternoon with the prime minister of the province of Quebec uh, ah. to talk to them. Quebec Bonjour. is one of the big uh, lumber producing provinces in Canada. And uh, a lot of our listeners may not be aware uh, that their form of government up there, their provinces. Uh, have more uh, specific power uh, than do uh, our states. Their provinces can negotiate independent uh, treaties and independent uh, trade agreements with different countries. And I want to talk to Quebec because they've always been an outlier. They haven't always been on the same page as some of the other provinces and see what their take on what's going on in Canada is. We know that uh, the administration is already signaling to us and to pretty much every that they don't intend to do any international trade negotiations at a high level uh, during the first year of the administration. That's bad news for housing. It's bad news for our economy. But maybe if we can get the Canadians either through Quebec or Quebec putting pressure in Ottawa on the other provinces um, to to take the lead on this and really come to the United States and say, let's start. That's got to be one avenue that we're going to approach. And uh, and I'm going to talk to the prime minister about it today. That's great. Yeah, I mean, we uh, we we've uh, we, we need to have a multi pronged approach to to the to the American economy. Yeah, we need to focus uh, internally, uh, domestically on 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 vaccine supply and and rollout. Uh, we need to make sure that the economy is moving. But we we cannot, especially an industry like ours. Uh, that depends on a good, strong international trade system, especially with our neighbor to the north and to our neighbor to the south. For so many of our components that go into a, our homes and apartments, uh, we 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 need uh, we need them to, to multitask here, right? This is uh, this is an important time, and, and I think a, 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 you know kind of balance on the knife's edge uh, for the industry right now. If if supply chain issues continue uh, to put put uh, upward pressure on prices. Eventually, something's got to give, and it's going to be in the form of of slowed construction and slow sales. You're exactly right. I, I think that most Americans, most people in the world, understand the need for our world leaders right now to continue to focus on COVID. But with the approval uh, over the weekend of this new Johnson and Johnson vaccine, I think. The vaccination process, the fact we're coming into summer, um, the fact that some medical experts uh, are starting to talk about herd immunity. Uh, I think we can see a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and I think that we need to really start focusing on how to make sure that our economy is up and running faster, if possible, than any of our international competitors. 
particularly with respect to China, uh, which is responsible when their economy is up and running. They're responsible for a good bit of the import-export trade throughout the world, and they're a huge competitor to the United States. So I, I would I would encourage uh, Congress and all leaders to begin thinking uh, about uh, economic recovery on a full scale, getting the supply chain fixed. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Jerry. But you know, speaking of of, of international leaders, uh, I want to get your thoughts about the the news that that, that dominated uh, this weekend, uh, and that that was was President Trump President Trump's return to the national stage, his first his first public comments, or at least his first appearance uh, since uh, since leaving the presidency uh, in in mid January. Uh, and and just get your thoughts about about wh- where you think the party, uh, the Republican Party, is headed. Uh, clearly, Trump set up uh, he, the first thing he announced: no, no no new party. I think if you're a, a Republican, that's a welcome sign. He talked about splitting the vote, and that would be uh, that would take a power away from uh, the the GOP. But uh, you know, wh- wh- what do you, where do you think the president's role is moving forward vis a vis the congressional leadership uh, and, and what I'll call the establishment? Well, you know, Jim, first of all, he's the first president uh, to come out uh, so strongly so soon and try and, and, and play a major role. In fact, he hinted several times uh, that he may run again uh, in uh, three and a half years. Actually, those people who are going to run in, 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 in 24 are already starting that process. Uh, and maybe that's what he was hinting at. And, and that's interesting. And that's fine with me. But, you know, let's see how that plays out over time. What I listened to that speech with an ear towards was what's going to happen in in 22, where the House is very close to tipping through the Republicans, where the Senate is a 50-50 tie, uh, and where you're going to have some really interesting elections. Uh, if If I am a Republican loyalist, I want President Trump to help make as much money and raise as much money as he can for Republican candidates. But what I don't want him to do, and unfortunately he did this, was call out and select Republican candidates that he's unhappy with and that he wants to see defeated. I I wish that he would let that process play out in the state parties. I wish he would acknowledge that a person, uh, an ultra conservative may be able to be elected in some states, but in other states, getting a moderate elected, a Republican who uh, may not be able to side with the arch conservatives all the time, but is still going to be there for the key votes. Those are the kind of candidates that really tip the balance of power in Washington. But the reality is, um, you know, we talked about China. Back in the days of Mao Zedong, uh, China used to go through what they would call a cultural revolution every so often. And that generally meant there would be a wholesale shift uh, in the leaders of, of communist China, with the exception of Mao Zedong. Uh, everybody else would would uh, would fade away. And hopefully for all them and their families, that's what they did was just fade away. But the reality is both of our political parties are in a cultural war right now. You have uh, in the Republican Party, um, the establishment Republican Party, uh, which would still, I think, be manifested by uh, Mitch McConnell uh, and uh, and even George W. Bush, if he wants to stay active. Um, And then you have the Trump 
wing of the Republican Party. And those two need to come to some reconciliation if they are going to be uh, a factor in the 2022 elections. Likewise, on the Democratic side, you have a culture worth. I mean, you, you have Nancy Pelosi and AOC uh, turning on Governor Cuomo, the governor of one of the biggest Democratic states in the nation. And you have um, AOC uh, turning on uh, the, the moderate wing of the Democratic Party. So both parties are still in disarray. And I think that's really interesting because the battle lines for 2022 are being drawn and on either side of the battle lines, there's still some internecine warfare going on that needs to be addressed. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I certainly, you know, from from watching what uh, what what the Republican leaders in in uh, in, in Washington uh, say, they want they want to focus more on ideas and more about being the opposition party to to President Biden uh, for the next two years, and and focus on policy differences, not necessarily personality differences. Um, the president has always been about personality. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's 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 done some good things in his four years of his of his term uh, from a policy perspective. But but it's always been about uh, how he sells it and how he's out in front of people. And and you know, George George W. Bush, uh, you know, took the, the 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 tact of of not openly criticizing President Obama, uh, and then President Obama, I think, re- recognizing. Uh, that uh, that magnanimity uh, did the same thing for for President Trump. Generally, um, I don't think Joe Biden's going to get the same de- deference by uh, by former President Trump. Uh, I think President Trump is going to continue to use whatever platform he's there to not only to criticize but to really mold the GOP into uh, into into his likeness. Uh, and there's a lot that that go go that are going to go for. It. I know C- CPAC, uh, you know, by a large majority want to see him run again. And they, they certainly want the party to reflect his vision of America. So, so that you said soul searching on, on both sides uh, and then, you know, looking, looking ahead, not only to, to, to Congress, uh, but like you said, people are running for 2024 already, whether it's Josh Hawley or Ted Cruz or Marco Rubio, uh, your, your favorite uh, Nikki Haley uh, and, and where each one of them falls in the spectrum of in or out of favor with, uh, with, with president Trump. He's going to drive this party for the next four years, whether or not he runs again. Um, and there's going to be a lot of ring kissing down in Mar-a-Lago over the next four years. Um, and and, and, and in, in, the, in the meantime, over the next two years of who he's going to endorse, he's already come out and, and endorsed Republicans, uh, primary opponents to sitting members of Congress who voted for impeachment. Uh, so he, the, the battle lines are being are being drawn and. And it's um, I don't know if we're quite at civil war territory, but uh, but 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 the the revolution, as you mentioned, uh, it's on in both parties. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're going to be starting to look uh, not only at the 22 election cycle, we're going to continue to look at what may get done in Congress this year. It's a tight, uh, tight uh, window to get anything done. And, and, and with the, the votes, the way they're set up. Uh, it's going to have to be something uh, very much rifle shot in terms of legislation. I, I think we both agree on that. But I think we're also going to start taking a look at uh, at the uh, what's going on in the states. Uh, we already had the uh, the mayor of Colorado Springs on a couple of weeks ago. We're going to have a few of those types of guests coming on as well. Uh, and then we'll st- shift uh, toward the end of the year this summer, uh, maybe more directly toward uh, the, the impending elections. Uh, they're already 
um, elections in off years in, in a couple of states, our state of Virginia being one of them. Um, and and we'll, we'll monitor those closely as we continue to advance through the year. But in the meantime, uh, I would like to um, let our listeners know that, A, uh, we apologize for the uh, the shortcomings of the IBS X that we had anticipated being a wild success. We will be soon announcing an alternative to IBS X uh, for NAHB members uh, where you can still take part in a virtual experience with NAHB's loyal exhibitors and suppliers. And we'll, we'll let people know about that. And I think that's important, Jim, that our members be aware of that as we sit through the end of winter and the, and the beginning of the rainy season here. That's right. That's right. And I just want to uh, you know, point out uh, to, to our, our listeners uh, who weren't affected by the storms that swept through the southeast a couple of weeks ago, our friends in Texas, uh, such an important part of, uh, of the housing economy nationwide with, with all the building you're doing down there. But uh, but also, you know, wishing you all the best uh, from for your families and for your businesses. Uh, and again, that that swath, uh, that, that storm is going to have uh, lasting impacts on uh, on the economy, certainly uh, lumber producing. And, and as we rebuild down there, uh, there's going to be a lot of resources that flow to that area. So I just want to say on behalf of NHB, uh, we're here for you, what, whatever we can do for you. I know you've You've talked to our team and our team has been in contact with you, but, but know our thoughts and prayers are with you as you continue to rebuild. And uh, the sooner we get you back online, the better. Agreed. Agreed. And uh, we'd also like to remind everybody that as always, you can subscribe to this podcast, uh, which will make sure that uh, Jim and I are gainfully employed for <laughs> the near term. So uh, please do so uh, if you enjoy listening. And with that, I'd like to say goodbye for now. This is Jerry Howard. And this is Jim Tobin. Thanks a lot. Thanks.